This is Dan Wilson Uncancelled. Let's go. One of the frontrunners to become Prime Minister and the runner-up in the latest Tory party ballot, Penny Morden, kicked off her leadership campaign with this question from the Daily Telegraph's Christopher Hope. Chris Hope, last question. Penny, last one, a quick one and a straightforward one. How do you define a woman? I'm a woman, I am biologically a woman, and I can tell you, Chris, that if you have been in the Royal Navy and you have competed physically against men, you understand the biological difference between men and women. The Trade Minister, of course, has been swatting away accusations that w- this week that she's on the opposing side of the culture wars to Conservatives. But in her leadership pitch to prove she's not woke, Morden tweeted a picture with women's rights advocate and former Olympic swimmer Sharon Davies to insist she takes a, quote, science-based approach to trans women competing in female sports. And she knows exactly what a woman is. And Sharon joins me now. Sharon, uh, you've been leading the charge, of course, against trans extremists on this. Were you satisfied with Penny Morden's answer today? Good evening, guys. Um, Yep, that's a really, really good question. (laughs) Because we actually went into the Houses of Commons to have lunch with Penny and to try to talk to her about her attitude to what she said at the dispatch box, which was trans women are women and trans men are men, because that does not work when we're trying to put rules together for sports. Um, And at that lunch, she said that she would go away and she would do things. And with my hand on my heart, she did not do anything. (laughs) So that picture was when it was taken. uh, And that was kind of the last time that we ever saw or spoke to her. Um, So so I'm a little bit upset that it's appeared. um, But I'm hoping that she's had a chance to have a think about this and that maybe she has realised that biology does make a difference. You know, and it's really important that we understand that trans men are trans men, deserving of respect, equality, uh, to be safe, just the same as the rest of us, and trans women exactly the same, but they're not biological women. And at the moment, unfortunately, our rights are just being lost and thrown away, things that we've worked for for years. And obviously sport is what I know inside out, you know, and it's just not right what's been going on. And that's how I know Kemi, because obviously when Kemi was Minister Mm. for Equality, she did so much hard work. She's so determined to try and put some of these things right. And I was in the House of Commons again on Monday at a free speech lunch, which was incredible. And she was so articulate, so bright. And I know people keep saying that she's very young, but you know, actually she's older than, than Rishi mm. Sunak. Um, it's just that she looks terribly young. She's been in politics for over 15 years, holds some great posts. She's exactly what the Conservative Party so needs. So this is Kemi Badenoch. This is Kemi yeah. Badenoch, who's obviously had a brilliant campaign, a surprised campaign, but is under pressure to drop out and, and put her weight behind Liz Truss so that the right-wing faction of the party is not divided. Um, Before we just move on uh, to talk a bit more about Kemi, Sharon, can you just tell me exactly what went on at that lunch with Penny Morland? Because she seems to be using that photo with you as an illustration of the fact that she has come around to your way of thinking on uh, the issue of trans and sport. But how did she uh, explain or justify her position at that lunch? And I hope she has, Anne. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you everything we said at that lunch because that's a private conversation. And and I'm a really big believer in being honest and truthful. And, you know, maybe it doesn't go down with politics. I'd never make a very good politician because that would be my absolute line (laughs) that we all have to tell the truth. 
Um, <laughs> and I wouldn't be scheming. And, and, you know, I could not believe what was said yesterday at the conference of Mr. Sunak, but there we go. It, I hope she is listening. I think the difficulty is in the past that she's had the ear of the LGBT community. Um, and I think after what has been said today, she might find the LGBT community are not so friendly to her than they have been in the past. And that's the difficulty. You know, when you don't go along with them, when, as you saw in the Senate earlier, when you showed those pictures, mm. the moment you don't go along with this ideology, the moment you don't go along with what is almost like a cult, then you get absolutely vilified and, and the abuse is extraordinary. And I'm sure she's getting a fair bit of that tonight. Yeah, and it seems like she had a big personal pull as well because her brother, uh, who seems to be a big LGBT campaigner and has been very negative about the Tories' position on LGBT rights, and so maybe she was uh, trying to satisfy uh, her, her brother on this. You, you don't know. But but it's interesting that you say... Everybody, can you? That's the problem. You know, that's what... That's what, at the moment, we cannot square this circle. We cannot do everything right the way that a trans woman wants it to be, at the same time doing everything right for a biological woman, because biological women are losing their rights to safe spaces, to fair sports, you know, to safe refuges. And, and also there's a, a safeguarding issue, you know, with, with young people as well, with children. And look at Telford, you know, this is horrendous what's been going on with our, with our, our law Shocking. system at the moment. People are frightened... To, to do what policemen are supposed to be doing because we're all PC scared and that's got to stop. It's absolutely terrifying and it's very important that you raise that actually, Sharon. Uh, but Kemi Badenoch, you say uh, when she was Equalities Minister, she was completely on board with you and she was making practical changes because she really has emerged in this campaign as the woman flying the flag for the anti-woke. And I have to say, Sharon, I love it. I love what she's saying. <laughs> and so do I. You know, I think it takes somebody with a very, very strong backbone at the moment to turn around and say, I'm going to take them on. And she's been absolutely determined that that's, what, that's going to be part of her campaign. It's not all of her campaign. You know, for example, she's also been talking about net zero. Another thing that I know that's quite close to the heart of, of the people that are sitting on your sofa are there. And the fact that she says it's ill thought through, which I agree with as well. You know, when you've got India, who contributes so much to the CO2 problem, saying we'll start looking at this problem in 2070, whilst we're all making ridiculous sacrifices in this country when we produce 1% of the world's emissions, you know, it's madness. We have to really look at this when we can't afford to pay our electricity bills or maybe put food on the table totally. during the winter. I mean, it's crazy. I completely agree, and, and I think you're right. It's sometimes unfair, isn't it, when you just describe Kemi... Uh, as an anti-woke candidate, because actually, when it comes to net zero, this is completely about the cost of living crisis. And it's imperative that we don't go on this march towards net zero. I mean, look at what's going on in Sri Lanka right now. That's got to be a warning to all of us. And the Netherlands, you know. Yes. I, I despair at our mainstream yes. media who just do not show what's going on in the rest of the world. There is such an internal driven agenda at the moment. You know, news when I was growing up was news about the world and we could kind of place ourselves in the world and compare ourselves. Nowadays, we don't get that opportunity. We just think that we're making such mm. a massive mess over here and everybody else is having a wonderful time. So not true. You know, look at Canada and yeah. the truckers. Look at the problem that America's got. You know, we are not the only ones that are struggling after COVID. We're really not. 
Very good point, Sharon. Just finally, I, I should ask you about Liz Truss as well, to be fair, because, of course, she has always been very, very yeah. strong on the issue of women's rights, and I think she does deserve credit for that. Absolutely, and so, is, so does Suella as well, actually. Not all Suella Breverman, yeah. Um, yeah, so hopefully they will come together and, and work out a way to be able to stand up for women going forward. You know, it'd be lovely to see a, a woman prime minister. I think that we really desperately need a change. We need to get away from the, the jobs for the boys, old boys club. Um, you know, I want to see real integrity in, um, in number 10 and real transparency. So maybe a united ticket between some combination of Liz Truss, Cami Badenoch and Suella Braverman could be the way to go. I'm certainly hoping that that happens, Sharon, because you don't want that vote to be divided. Fascinating analysis, though. Thank you so much, as ever, Sharon Davies. Brendan O'Neill is tonight's outsider. Boris Johnson told PMQs earlier that he's leaving number 10 with his head held high despite being undemocratically ousted as PM. It's perfectly true that I leave not at a time of my choosing. And it's uh, uh, absolutely true. But I am, I am proud of the fantastic teamwork that has been involved in all of those projects, both nationally and, and internationally, uh, Mr Speaker. Uh, and I'm also proud of the leadership that I have given. And I will be leaving, Mr Speaker, I will be leaving soon with my head held high. Sadly, that could be our Brexit delivering red wall smashing Prime Minister's final PMQs, but I'll never forget, and nor should you really, that, that it was the MSM who fuelled the anti-Boris rebellion. Petty scandals about birthday cakes and the behaviour of despicable nobody MPs were deliberately blown out of proportion, given Tory MPs the ammunition to carry out the political assassination the media craved. And it was Fishy Rishi who pulled the trigger. No wonder Sly News and the BBC are predicting the big state high-tax Chancellor of the Exchequer as an underwhelming but inevitable successor to the PM. But what the blinkered BBC and the rest of the media fail to grasp is Tory members don't want a slick but soulless globalist who betrayed Boris when Britain faces a battle for Brexit and an existential war on woke. So, Brendan, we both agree uh, Richie is the last thing Britain needs right now. But are we now in an age where our political fate is determined by an unelected and out-of-touch small group of media elites in London? Increasingly, yes, I think that is the case. And the media, it's not as if the media get together and plan these things behind closed doors. It's not that conscious, but the media definitely plays an outsized role in the political sphere, especially the BBC and other sections of the liberal media too. And if you look at what they did with those two completely pathetic scandals, Partygate, where they had a, a, a birthday cake for 10 minutes in Downing Street, and also Pinchergate, which is these accusations that Chris Pincher may have occasionally touched a few bottoms or, or whatever. These are not massive scandals, but they were blown out of proportion by the media. The media turned them into the biggest issues in the country, precisely so that they could weaken Boris and encourage his critics and his enemies to have a go at him and to throw him out of power. So the media played, I think, a central role in sealing Boris's fate, and that should worry everyone who believes in democracy. Brendan, is that why they seem to be getting 
uh, so excited about Sunak and trying to convince everyone Sunak is just the inevitable choice to become prime minister. I mean, I was watching ITV News earlier tonight. Uh, I've got to do so for research purposes, as you can imagine. And Robert Peston was purposefully misrepresenting that YouGov poll tonight to mm. suggest that it was good news for Rishi Sunak. It was disastrous news for him. It showed him being thrashed by Mordaunt, thrashed by Truss, uh, beaten by Badenoch, beaten by Tugendhat, but he still presented it as a positive poll for Sunak. But it feels like they're in the tank for Fishy Rishi. Yeah, they love Rishi Sunak because they see him as one of them. He's a technocrat. You know, he he, he supported Brexit in a slightly half-hearted way, I think. Um, but he's fundamentally a technocrat. He's a bit of a Blairite. He hangs out in the right kind of circles. He he chums up with the media. He's very studious. He's very stiff. They see him as a relief from all the years of populism when ordinary people were voting for apparently crazy things like Brexit and Boris Johnson. They want to get rid of that kind of madness and get the adults back in the room. That's how they see it. So their support for Rishi, the media class's support for Rishi, is really an attempt to put themselves back in the, in the driving seat and to nip in the bud all these crazy populist experiments that us plebs have been carrying out for the past few years. This is what worries me most about the Rishi Sunak phenomenon. I think it would represent a revenge of technocracy against the past few years of political experimentation. And I don't think ordinary people want to go back mm. to that old establishment. We want to keep trying something new and something that actually might work. Finally, Brendan, the risk with all of this, of course, is that the media and the political establishment won when it came to deposing Boris Johnson. Now, when a similar situation happened in Australia a few years ago, uh, they, they, they went through prime ministers uh, mm -hmm. at an alarming rate. I mean, there was something like five prime ministers in six years because the media knew that they were able to perpetuate the sort of consistent scandal that made it impossible for a PM to do their job. Yeah, I'm really worried about that kind of constant churn and instability in the UK now that the media has a great amount of power in politics. But also, you know, the thing that worries me about Boris Johnson, I mean, he's going now. And in a sense, there's no point crying over spilt milk. But there is a lesson to be learned from this, which is that the people made a very clear statement in 2019. They said, we want Boris Johnson to get Brexit done and to reorient, reorientate politics around things that we care about, not what the elites care about. So they set him a very clear agenda. And the fact that he's been thrown out halfway through by undemocratic, unelected forces should worry everyone. This has been a really terrifying mm. moment politically, and we have to remember that as we go ahead. Indeed. Spiked Online's Brendan O'Neill, perfectly put. Thank you, Brendan. But now it's time for Uncancelled. And this is where Britain's top commentators speak out on controversial issues without the fear of the cancel culture sweeping the rest of the media. And breaking tonight, Jeremy Hunt and Adeem Zahawi have been knocked out of the Tory leadership race after they failed to secure the support of at least 30 MPs. Rod Little is here now with his unfiltered take on the race. And Rod, you know, you get the usual establishment types saying the candidates should ignore culture war social issues altogether. 
Uh, but you say it should actually be at the centre of the campaign. Is that right? That's absolutely right. I think <clears throat> two things. Firstly, I think the culture war is the most important problem that Britain has at the moment. Uh, and this has been a, a, a long assault uh, over the last decade on kind of every corner of the way we live our lives uh, and perpetrated by a tiny elite which doesn't have the sympathy of the population whatsoever. And it infuriates people. Uh, it infuriates them when uh, 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 Stonewall-sponsored stuff goes into schools telling uh, young children about transgender and LGBTQI issues. Uh, it, 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 it irritates them beyond measure when statues are thrown in rivers, when our history is traduced, uh, and this array of victimhood is paraded before us, uh, this divisive, poisonous creed that uh, everybody who isn't white, male, and uh, uh, middle-aged is somehow oppressed. I mean, it's an absurdity. And it's causing an awful lot of damages on our campuses, in the National Health Service, all over the place. And it, the Conservatives have done very, very little indeed to redress it. Uh, and one candidate, at least two candidates, in fairness, uh, taking part in this race have indeed announced that it will be one of their main concerns, and that's Suella Braverman and uh, Kemi Badenoch. Uh, the other point, of course, Dan, is that every other candidate is simply saying we're going to have tax cuts. They're either saying we're going to have tax cuts now, or they're saying we're going to have tax cuts in a bit uh, once we've paid for stuff. Um, the Labour Party, by the same token, is also saying that it quite fancies tax cuts. There is no clear blue water between any Tory leader who makes the prime approach about the economics of the issue. There is effectively no difference between them and Labour on that issue. So what you do is you choose a leader who really can make a difference, who really will appeal to voters because they're saying something different, something which is perhaps considered too difficult to say, um, but which people like Kemi Badenoch and indeed Suella Braverman are willing to say. And that's why I think that the culture war is something which could win the next election for the Conservative Party uh, rather than lose it. So, Rod, do you have concerns as a result with Penny Morden. Of course, she's the woman of the hour. Uh, this YouGov poll today showed her thrashing every other Tory candidate amongst Conservative Party members, even Rishi Sunak by a long way. But of course, she has been described as a woke candidate, largely because of her uh, uh, speech in the House of Commons where she said trans men are men and trans women are women. Yes, she doesn't know what a woman is. She is. If she wins, we will have three main party leaders, none of whom are able to define what a woman is. And that would be a tragedy for our country. I know a lot of people on Facebook, particularly uh, the, the kind of uh, red corduroy trouser brigade who all voted Brexit, much as I did, who rather like Penny Morton, I think largely because they fancy her, uh, but also because they see in her <laughs> a kind of echo of Margaret Thatcher. Uh, I, I've tried to tell them that she that, she, that her hair makes her look like a, a golden retriever, uh, but it, it does no good. I am terrified. Oh, no, she looks that. lovely. I like her hair. Big hair. I know, I know. Yes, her hair is very fly away and, and, uh, and becoming. Like uh, but, but all I'm trying to do is to dissuade them from giving Penny uh, their support because she is a liberal. 
She mm. is not a conservative. That is the point. Uh, and it's called the Conservative Party. Get a conservative to run it. You know, Boris was a bit of a liberal, but he sort of hopped all over the place. We don't want to go back to the days of Cameron and Nick Clegg. And I think that's what we would be doing if Penny Mordaunt, I have no doubt whatsoever, is a very competent politician, uh, though I found her uh, launch boring uh, and fatuous uh, with those uh, uh, film clips of Oscar Pistorius and so on. Um, I mean, that was clearly a mistake. But no, I, I, we cannot have Penny Mordaunt. Please, Dan, stop it. OK, well, then let's talk about the right, because... The issue is there are these three candidates. I like them all, Rod. You know, you've mentioned two of them, Badenoch and uh, Braverman. But, of course, there's also Liz Truss, who has been yeah. incredibly bold on social issues. She's not woke at all. She's low tax. I know for a fact that she fought against lockdowns as well, which you know for me is a, that's a big tick in the box. But, Rod, there's no point these three incredible women splitting the vote on the Tory right. They're going to have to come together. And surely that means Braverman and Badenoch, the two who you prefer, are backing trust. Well, that may be what it comes down to. But I would say I, I've got a lot of respect for Liz Trust. Uh, and mm. I think you're absolutely right in what you say about her. But I would say this. How on earth does Sir Keir Starmer deal with a Conservative Party led by Kemi Badenoch? What yeah, that would be beautiful. It's a living refutation of everything the Labour Party stands for. You know, she is a young, confident, clever uh, uh, woman of colour who's worked in McDonald's, who knows poor people rather than has just bumped into them at the bottom of the street. Uh, and she has made an enormous success for herself. She, I think, would be unassailable. And I think, you know, <coughs> if... If Liz Truss were able to put personal ambition aside for one minute, she would see that that uh, Kenny would bring a breath of fresh air into politics, I think. I mean, look, I've, I, I absolutely love Kemi Badenoch. I've followed her story for a very long time. She is an incredibly impressive politician. And you're right, for me, it's her origin story. It is the fact that she came uh, here with zero connections, no money whatsoever. And I absolutely agree, she, she would be Labour's worst nightmare. But the issue is, Truss has more support amongst MPs. She's not going to pull out of the race. There's no way that's going to happen. You know, she's got the backing of the Boris Johnson camp. So I think realistically, Braverman and Badenoch are going to have to back her. But Rod, I want to ask you about Sunak as well, because... I'm becoming increasingly frustrated with, although not surprised, uh, with the obsession the BBC and ITV News and Sly News and the Tory grandees. I mean, they are so determined for this man to become prime minister, aren't they? They're telling us on a constant and consistent basis that it's going to happen, that it's almost inevitable. Yes, that might be for good journalistic reasons, though, uh, Dan. Uh, it's it's rather like uh, Nadim Zahawi. Uh, that I, I was speaking to a couple of very conservative uh, 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 political editors recently, and they both wanted Nadim Sahawi because they thought, just wait until we've dug around in his finances for a bit. <clears throat> and I think that, that some of that perhaps applies to Rishi as well, because this is a man with, with very, very great wealth, uh, and his wife has very, very great wealth. And where there is very, very great wealth, there tends to be a story which is not always... 
which doesn't always commend itself to voters. Let us let us put it that way. You know, stories about tax and so on. So I, I think that may be one reason. I mean, but you I, think he'd be truth, bad for the Red Wall, for the Tories in the Red Wall, Rod Sunak? Not, not as bad as Penny in a way. Um, <laughs> Uh, and and I, I say that, and I do have a lot of respect for Penny Williams. You know, I, I mean, I, she is a very competent politician. I just, she's just not a conservative. I think at heart, Sunak possibly is a conservative. Uh, but whether he's a conservative <clears throat> on social issues, I am not so sure. Uh, he he has been a bit. I think quite recently, he seemed to indicate that he had a vague idea of what a woman was. Which is at yeah. least a step forward. Well, he refused. Um, so he refused to answer the question when he was asked in an interview. But then he has come out with a policy saying that he believes in single-sex yeah. women's spaces. But I actually want to hear him be asked about it. Hopefully, in one of these debates, so yeah. he actually has to answer the question on the record. But look, brilliant analysis, Rod. It's going to be a really interesting week, isn't it? So it will keep in touch with you as always, and speak again next week, Rod. Thank you so much. Dan Wooden here again. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of my podcast, Uncancelled. Did you like what you hear? Well, remember to subscribe, rate and review and join me for more newsmaking interviews, fiery debate and free speech on Dan Wooden tonight every Monday to Thursday from 9pm till 11pm on GB News. 